Welcome to Working Radio. Working Radio. The fourth episode. We're here. That was uh, My House, the Stop Making Me remix by Hercules and Love Affair. And more importantly, we have a new guest in the studio, Mr. Jeremy Pelzer. W. Jeremy Pelzer. Hi, how are you? Good, Jeremy. How are you? You go by Jeremy or W. Jeremy? Uh, Jeremy. My first name is William, but uh, my family calls me Jeremy, so I do Jeremy. Okay. And tell us about uh, tell us about your music background. You you DJ around New York. You live in New York, right? You're. I, li- I live in Harlem on 125th, and uh, I live with my music partner Christine Love, and uh, we're a duo called House of Stank, and uh, we DJ around New York, and we DJ around the country, and uh, we have records out. And uh, we actually just started our own label called Get Up Recordings. And uh, we just had our second release. Well, it's coming out, but we just had the promos go out. Uh, the first release was our release, House of Stank, and the next one is Ted Patterson, and then Honey Dijon, and David Harness, and hopefully... Uh, I mean, we have it all mapped out for the year, but uh, that's our uh, that that's it in a nutshell, I guess. That's exciting. I mean, I... I'm going to have Christy on the show also. I didn't want to make it a House of Stank party. I wanted to make it a Jeremy Pelzer party. Uh, so, uh, yeah, what do you want to play for us first? What are you in the mood for? What have you been listening to lately? I know when I met you, I was thinking about this. When I met you, you were listening to a lot of Fidget. And I was thinking about how another friend of mine was like, Fidget's having a moment and it's going to be short-lived. And I was like, no, this is so great. And that moment was very short-lived. It, it was very short-lived, but we, uh, when we were doing, when Mr. Black had moved to like the third spot on at Rebel, and even like before that, Twenty Fourth Street, we started to play a lot of Fidget, and uh, actually we had a huge uh, remixer named Hijack do our uh, fourth single, a remix for us, and uh, yeah, it was short-lived, like a lot of stuff, and then you know, I'm hoping that Dutch House is on its way out also, but whatever. So what do you have up first? <laughs> Uh, the first track I'm going to play is Beam Me Up. It's a Jacques Renault mix, and it's by this band called Midnight Magic, who uh, I just recently saw. They uh, spank. Uh, Will and Sean did a party with Midnight Magic and Escort uh, in Williamsburg. And uh, I just, I really love this track, and I, I played it last Saturday. And uh, what was last Saturday? Xanadude, which is Sean B's party. Sean B and Jeffrey's party. And uh, it was just, fantastic like it was so packed and the energy was great and christy and i played and uh, we played a little bit more disco and i I played this track and i really love this track Thank you. 
Midnight Magic. They just played uh, Williamsburg Hall of Music. Is that where that party was? I think the thing that I really love about the band and Escort is that it's it's a full band, like horns, you know, a full-on disco band, and I just I really love that. I mean, I love electronic music done on a laptop and you know stuff like that. But like, it's just so amazing to see a band like that live. Yeah. Yeah. Did you like Escort better, or do you like Midnight Magic? Um, I like Escort better. It's kind of equal, but maybe Escort a little bit more, especially if they do that Muppet. <laughs> have you seen it on YouTube? They do... Um, oh, I have seen that. Yeah, all through the night. You know, and it's the Muppets. I love it. I love it. So wait, let me ask you, because I have to... I don't know if you know this, that, but maybe the first time we met, Christy was away and Mr. Black was at Rebel. And um, I was like, who are we going to get to DJ? And Tai Chi... Uh, had suggested you and I'd never seen you before I don't know if we ever met and then so 
uh, I think maybe he set it up, and then you came to DJ, and you brought all, like, a whole bunch of people, like, your uh, crowd came with you to come see you DJ, and uh, I've never seen you before, and uh, it was really awesome, like, I just think you're such a great DJ, and, uh, you know, and then after that, I went to Eastern Block, and I saw, like, how much fun it was, and, yeah, so, like, I, I think that's the first time we actually met, like, it was kind of, like, at the decks. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I remember that gig, and I remember the Yell song must have just come out or something. I remember playing, like, a Yell remix or something and, and being like, this is really now, and it's dancing, and it's poppy, and it's cute. Uh, but, yeah, maybe that was the first time we had met. I certainly remember being up in that crow's nest of a DJ's booth at that <laughs> rebel location. No, before that, I remember I was with my friend Roberto from San Francisco, and you were DJing at the second Mr. Black location, and you had played that Bill Cosby sweater song. And even though I have people come up to me all the time asking me about music, I hate and Shazam had not been invented yet for the iPhone. And I was like, Roberto, go ask him what song this is and about this kind of music. And he did, and, and he, you know, he told me that song. And then I, I somehow got you to say the word fidget, which for all of our listeners is kind of, it's a, it's a, Derivative of house music. Uh, I don't even know what the BPMs are. How to? It's the same B same BPMs like 124, 127, uh, and uh, it's just short and choppy, stuttery. Like yeah. switch is like a huge fidget. He actually coined the term yeah. apparently. Yeah, I read that Han. He's like, oh, it's so stupid. Um, <laughs> yeah, that that's what I remember from meeting you. But uh, yeah, it was definitely at the club. It was that Mr. Black connection which no longer exists here in New York, but it exists in L.A. Oh, yeah. Actually, the next time we go out to L.A., uh, Luke wants to have uh, Christy and I play, and uh, the resident is Josh Peace. But uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a little commercial, for, but I don't know. We'll do it. I love the Mr. Black family. Yeah. What's left? Us, the functional people. You know, a little different out there in L.A., but, but you'll see. It was fun. I went there once just as a patron. Josh Peace was DJing, you know. Right. Uh. Yeah, I had a good time. It was fun. Uh, I I would probably play something now that harkens back to the Mr. Black days. Uh, but I didn't DJ Mr. Black that much. You know, the whole thing about Mr. Black was that everybody who DJed there, you, Christy, Gant, Nita, Sammy Joe, they always said, you know, don't wait for Stuart to hire you because he's not the person who's going to, like, bring you in. It's the DJs who bring in the other DJs. Stuart just sort of sits back and hides in a corner and then that's what you did but uh this was another uh big genre at the time i mean at the time it was like what three or four years ago but baltimore club music had really exploded i think yeah. thanks to switch's partner in crime nowadays diplo it was just on the map and it was everywhere and this is also at that second location it was probably that same night that you played uh the bill cosby sweater song downstairs I think Nita or Gant had played this because then Gant was like, "Oh my God, did you hear that? Did you hear that? Did you hear this track?" I was like, "I heard you play it like at two in the morning, and it was, it was pretty major." So you know, I'm not gonna tell you this is a remix of a very famous song that you will recognize, but um, yeah, it's uh, it'll always it'll always remind me of Mr. Black. I can play that Bill Cosby sweater song later also if you want. <laughs>
uh, You Got Me Up, and it's uh, the Cashmere's Underground remix, and it's uh, actually Cashmere featuring Dajé. And uh, yeah, you just asked me, like, weren't you talking about Dajé yesterday? And uh, I was because Christy and I were going to play uh, Juanita Moore's Gay Pride uh, event for uh, San Francisco Gay Pride, and um, Dajé is the performer, and I'm fucking freaking out. <laughs> I mean, she... What does she look like? Do you know? She's a big girl. <laughs> She's a big, beautiful woman, and uh, her voice is bigger. You know, it's just I, I for me, the voice precedes. You know, is it precedes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, precedes uh, her. You know, herself. You know, her voice is legendary, like on so many tracks. So, I'm really excited. I, I actually want to get a track ready so, when, like, when we see her, be like, oh, we want to use your vocals for this track, and. Um, yeah, so I'm excited. You were out last year doing gay, gay Pride. No, you weren't. I was in San Francisco in 2000 for Gay Pride. That was the last time I was there. I think I did something. I've been in New York for the past few Gay Prides. I mean, I don't love Gay Pride, and I've been meaning to get out to Juanita's party because I know it is the event of Gay Pride International. But uh, unfortunately, I haven't, and I was thinking of even going this this time, but gotta pay those bills, and I booked a wedding on Friday and on Saturday of Gay Pride Weekend. But do you know this? Apparently, you know, Sean B is doing something in Williamsburg. Um, yeah, like something big during Gay Pride Sunday. So uh, uh, he just recently told me about that. He's working on something. So um, that should be exciting because I, I totally agree with you about Gay Pride in New York. It's like snooze fest <laughs> i enjoy seeing the parade uh i've gone to my friend mikey lalo's and uh watched it from his fifth avenue apartment but then they changed the route last year which was kind of a bummer but uh yeah it's it's a uh, you know it's okay i don't i don't mind it it's, it's not like the saint patrick's day parade which i you know run for cover every single time it happens <laughs> jeremy's from jersey from Long Island, so he knows exactly what I'm talking about. But uh, I, I, I like the game. He's dying. I like I like Gay Pride here in New York, but I would love to be in San Francisco also. I think I think I got mixed up that you were in Gay uh, at Gay Pride in San Fran last year, just because you DJ so often in San Francisco. That I was just like, oh, I thought that you were there last year. I actually last year I didn't play for Juanita on Sunday, but I played like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday I went and. I don't know if anybody knows this, but it was my first Juanita Moore Gay Pride. Uh-huh. I know it's kind of like, and I lived in San Francisco for so long. But yeah, I think because you free, you know, you DJ in San Francisco so much, I thought, well, Josh was there, but you know, I guess not. Yeah, I would love to. The summers, the past two summers, I've been DJing on Fire Island by June and July and August. That season almost starts in May for DJing, and that's just kind of like Gay Pride every weekend in the summers. So. Uh, uh, I would love to get out there, and I hopefully will one of these years. Uh, but I loved how the other day you said to me, "Oh, you know how I, you know how I know that I'm gay because I like RuPaul's Drag Race." Meanwhile, you're totally fagging out over like San Francisco Gay Pride and Dajé, and now she's like a big black woman, presumably, and you're gonna give her a track. I don't know. You might be giving yourself away here on the radio, Jeremy. I am gay, but you know what? I you know what gay thing I've never done? I've never been to Fire Island. Yeah. Am I, am I gay still? Yes, you should come out. You know, it's really, 
Gay. I heard it's beautiful. I heard it's beautiful. Like I just heard Highland. I should go. It's beautiful. I would love it. But we'll see. Maybe this summer I'll come out and catch you there. Yeah. Um, I guess that would. Uh, if I'm DJing there, I, I mean, I haven't confirmed it, but I'll definitely be out there with Lena. She DJs there and does her own thing and plays really soulful stuff like that. I would, you know, naturally play a Fire Island song at this point. I don't have any in mind, though. I, I, I almost, since you said Lena, I automatically thought of Led Zeppelin, and I, like, yeah. Soon we'll segue into some Led Zeppelin. We could do it now. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play one more. Uh, I don't even know what genre that was that remix of uh cashmere you got me up but i like to call that circus house i don't know if it had a moment but that song really reminds me of nita i know i talk about these other new york djs every show but they're really that you should know they're really influential on me i mean if gant gives me a track or nita plays a track and i don't it may even ryan mcknight or nita that played i think that song at happy valley you you may have been in new york for that or not um it was it was a it was a moment, and I always confuse that track with this next track I'm gonna play. It it reminds me of the same era, the same circus sound, and it, and it makes me really happy. So here it is.
Because you said weddings, I said weddings, that's why you played it, because um, that to me is like a major wedding staple. Everybody, get on up and dance, to the point where I don't play that at weddings, because, you know, it's a bit embarrassing, but on the same token, I play Signed, Sealed, Delivered, so I'm, I'm no, <laughs> I'm not innocent of any, you know, stereotypical Stevie Wonder, I don't even know what I'm saying, because I have this fierce backing track that I'm going to play in a little while and I just wanted to have like a typical, you know, radio undertone going, but uh, it's actually distracting me. 
I love it. No, I don't think it's distracting. No, the reason why I played that song of I love Stevie Wonder, love, love, love. And the, the other day we were talking about marching bands. And, uh, you know, I was in a marching band in high school. And, um, you know, that was a huge song for us to play. And uh, I guess you have different, uh, a different experience with that Stevie Wonder track. But, I mean, I love, love, love Stevie Wonder. And, you know, the horns sort of complemented that last track. But, uh, yeah. Okay, I, I get the connection. Yeah, I see that horns. It's really funky. This track coming up, it was, I was thinking, I want to do something in that sort of funky, funky, upbeat realm. I mean, this, this song is a remix of a very famous funk song that was sampled in a famous hip-hop song. You love how I like to build the suspense for people? I'm like, okay, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you four hints, but I'm not going to tell you what it is until 24 bars into the song. <laughs> It's almost like name that tune. I can name that tune in one note. I'm like, how could you name that tune in one note? But when I was growing up in my vaguely marching band days, I mean, when I was in band playing saxophone, we would turn on the radio in my car and my parents would be like, name that tune. And I would be able to, it was actually, it wasn't, it wasn't the sixties, but it was the idea of name that tune. And I do it very quickly. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I was just complimenting your vast knowledge of music and, uh, yeah, so I, I was never good like that, doing that one note thing. I could do like in five, six, seven, eight, ten notes. <laughs> Start singing. What's that song? <laughs> what did you play in the marching bands? Trombone. How many years? Like ten years. So fierce. We are working on a live music project, Jeremy and I and our friend Saul. And uh, maybe our friend Mark from the second episode, Mark Luke. But uh, it's in the very early formative stages, so we don't have much to say about it. Uh, other than we discussed our musical backgrounds, his uh, trombone playing, Mark's trumpet playing, and my saxophone. It's actually just going to be brass band, no percussion. Shame came out. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, here's that uh, name that tune track. It's, it's a remix. It came out very recently, so uh, check it out. Re-edits are so big, we are talking about that. I forget who I was with, but um, this is like the epitome of a 2011 re-edit. Oh, I love that. I can't wait to hear it. Everyone loves a re-edit because you know the song, but it's a new formulation of the song.
Going for all eight minutes of it. <laughs> no, we can fade it. Although it is all heavenly. Yeah, I have to say when you said, "Oh, it's eight minutes," but it's eight minutes of bliss. I was like, mm-hmm. "But it is." Oh my God, it, the bass is so smooth. I love it. It's really, really sexy. We're back, twerking radio. Our guest, Jeremy Pelzer, W. Jeremy Pelzer, who is originally from New Jersey, but actually. Did some time in San Francisco. I always, I always uh, thought of you as a San Francisco DJ, and I knew Christy, the other half of House of Stank, also lived in San Francisco. But then you had told me that you guys didn't really connect until you were in New York, and you guys live together. You make music together. You DJ together. Maybe get sick of one another. No, you guys never. You guys never fight, right? Uh, no, we never fight. Maybe, maybe we've had like one sort of like heated you know, thing, but like, uh, we actually work really well together, which is, you know, why we've been together for so long, but yeah, I lived in San Francisco and, uh, I DJed, I was a resident DJ at the end up, which is, uh, a famous club, uh, that's been open now for, I think 38 years. And it was in the same family for 36 years. And, um, I DJed there Saturday mornings uh, for this party called Other World, and uh, I was a resident. Uh, DJ Spun, who now lives here, who, who does wrong music, he was a resident there, and uh, just all sorts of people um, DJed at, at this club and at this party in particular, and it was run by this woman named Allison Page, and uh, she actually uh, just recently passed away. Um, and uh, But it's just... You know, the end up was this magical place where it was like, you know, you would, there were all sorts of people like gay, straight, tranny, freaks, and just like everybody on the dance floor. And it was just such a, 
an amazing feeling. And the party started Saturday mornings at 6 a.m. And it went into 4 in the afternoon. And um, it was just a really beautiful thing. It was just really magical. And uh, I've been back there to play. And it, it's just, it's kind of not the same. I mean, not, you know, that party's no longer there, the other world party. But I, I've been there on a Thursday night. And I've played for... Uh, uh, this one party called Phonic. And it was great, but it, it just wasn't the same. It didn't have the same vibe. And, um, yeah, so that's that's my deal in San Fran. Why'd you leave San Francisco? Uh, it was just time to leave, and uh, I was dating somebody who wanted to move to New York, and uh, I just said, okay. I was just, you know, young, and I could just do it, you know, and I just moved back here, and I knew New York. I knew a lot of people. I worked for a few labels and DJs prior to moving to San Francisco. And uh, I thought it would be easy to get back into that groove. And it wasn't really that easy. But uh, I just, you know, it's one of those things that, like, New York, New York is so familiar to me that just kind of, like, I could just do it, you know, like, it's, it comes easy like that. Had you lived in New York before San Francisco? And is this getting boring for the listeners? <laughs> <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's interesting. I know you're from Jersey. I know you did a... a how many years were you in San Francisco? I, w I was in San Francisco for five years. I did live in New York and Manhattan prior to moving there. And, uh, you know, I, I worked for Tony Humphreys and Angel Moraes and Johnny Vicious. So I was really up in it here before I left for San Francisco. And, um, yeah, so I actually lived in New York, and I spent all my money on cabs because I lived on 82nd between 2nd and 3rd, which is, like, the most boring fucking place in Manhattan. So all my money went to the cabs to get home late at night after Sound Factory Bar and Sound Factory and stuff. So so what do you have coming up for us now? I'd love you to play something that was big at the end of but I think you queued up something else, correct? Um, I did queue up something else because I, I wanted to get into another segment because I wanted to... You know, when I go over somebody's house or I'm in somebody's car, they're always like, what do you want to listen to? And my reaction is I want to hear what you're listening to because I know what I'm listening to. And I know like I just I'm so interested in like what other people are influenced by and what they're listening to. And uh, I kind of wanted to get into like what sort of, you know, as growing up, what influenced me and, you know, and vice versa, what influenced you, Josh, yeah. as, you know, to, you know your musical influences so i kind of want to get into that right now and uh the first track i'm going to play is yaz and it's called state farm and uh it's my favorite yaz track and uh yeah so here we go <laughs>
Company B. Fascinated. I chose that one because I, I did love Yaz. I, I loved Situation. I I remember seeing that album cover for Upstairs at Eric's and uh, thinking it was really weird. I, I was young, though. but So I chose that Company B song because growing up on Long Island, or as you know, in the tri-state area, freestyle had such a large impact on radio and probably dance culture. I obviously wasn't going to clubs when I was eight or nine years old. But um, that song always stood out. I mean, KTU and before. I mean, it was on repeat probably on Z100 and even Hot 97 before they went all hip-hop. I mean, that was the song. That and Let the Music Play superseded everything in my book. And I love Lisa Lisa more than I love Company B. But as far as, like, singles go, Company B Fascinated takes the cake. I think that song is flawless from beginning to end especially that was the long version. And much like that Juicy Fruit re-edit, I could do another five minutes and 40 seconds of that song. It's so good. Uh, but also, I wanted to tell the story that I, I go to London to do this Dirtbox party. I know you go for Severino's parties, and we sort of, we've had this crossover. I DJed with him, and you met my friends here. But uh, when, I, when I did the party last time or the time before, my two friends, Alex and Michael, and I kind of fought over who could play that song during their set. Because Alex was like, well, I I'm going to play that during my set. And then Michael's like, I wanted to play it. And I was like, I maybe thinking I'll play it. I, just one of those songs that sort of comes back and in 2010, 2011, in this small, bearded, underground gay scene in London, it you know sets a crowd off, rightfully so. I love it. I love freestyle. That's such a great story. Uh, yeah, definitely from being from the tri-state area, freestyle is a huge influence on uh, my musical taste. And when I worked for the, when I, at school I graduated and I worked for this uh, marketing promotional company and that was one of the first singles I promoted, Lizette Melendez, Together Forever. And then I did Short Dick Man. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, I, I want to play something in freestyle, and I actually played it at Mustache Mondays at this party in Los Angeles, this Monday night party, fantastic. And um, this is my little contribution to uh, freestyle. Have you been to those Freestyle Explosion concerts at Madison Square Garden? <laughs> no, I haven't. That's just a big closet fantasy of mine, though. Yeah, but I see them. Have you been to one? I haven't. My friend Mike Ackle was just looking up the, the next one that's coming up. So we could go, and it's actually like at whatever that casino is in Connecticut, Mohegan Sun Foxwood or Mohegan Sun, and it like costs a hundred dollars. But um, I, my friend Jamie Burke, he he would go to them and just get into every song. You know, Lisa Lisa Culjam performed at Barracuda, and I always kick myself that I missed that. Yes, Wait, Jeremy's jaw just hit the floor. What do you mean? Tell me more. All I know is Lisa Lisa of Lisa Lisa and Cult Jam probably still lives in New Jersey. And <laughs> she did an event at Barracuda. This was like four or five years ago. And I'm sure listeners will be like, oh, yeah, I totally knew about that. I mean, it was advertised. I'm sure she's done stuff at Splash since. But like, and it's always like, oh, I can't go. Oh, it's raining that night. I mean, it's never like enough to get me out of the house to go. Although Debbie Deb did do something down here at Element slash Bank on Houston and Avenue A. Work. Oh, my God. But wait, all cried out over you? Did it make you leave your house? <laughs> I'm 
sure she did some of that splash. I mean, that's I can't believe she did some of that Barracuda. That's like when I saw RuPaul back at long time ago at Excaliburs in Hoboken. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, who's this RuPaul? You know, and I didn't even know Larry T at the time that he wrote the song, the supermodel song, but I just thought she was really cute, but I was like, whatever. She's like this little club person. Now I'm like carrying on about drag race. And like, she's so fucking major. I love it. We all are. No, yeah. I, I haven't I haven't been to anything. I To be honest, it's a bit depressing for me to see Debbie Deb haul out the hits. I, I was in San Francisco at this big Oscar event, huge Oscar event, actually. And Taylor Dane performed. And to me, that was a little depressing. I mean, I was never a big Taylor Dane fan, but I understand you have the hits. People love you for that. And you're going to keep doing them over and over and over. But there is some element of sadness to see this person who's gotten older. And, you know, 15 years after Tell It To My Heart came out, she's still asking people to tell it to her heart. <laughs> tell it to her pacemaker. <laughs> okay, okay, so... This is my little contribution to our freestyle segment here, and it's Stevie B, Diamond Girl. If you can feel what I am feeling, then the truth is just believing. You're my, you're my Diamond Girl.
We're back. That was a creme de menthe song called Plastique. I think it came out probably like 2000, 2001, 2002. We were talking about our influences and um, how freestyle was a big influence on both of us, me and Jeremy. But um, we, uh, but Electro Clash, more for me as a DJ, I think, Jeremy, you were DJing long before I was and you're working at these record labels, you know. Your little I, was, I was DJing on eight-track tapes. <laughs> <laughs> You're a little older than me. I don't know if you want to disclose your age on the air, but um, fifty-two. <laughs> Talk about DJ pacemaker. <laughs> I don't look a day over sixty. <laughs> but um, you know, I didn't. I didn't have that house. <laughs> I didn't, but I know who does. <laughs> I didn't have that house music background that. You know, Will and I talked about this on, on the first, first episode, which actually had gotten erased before the twerking radio episode we recorded. But uh, I, I actually came up in a electro era. I mean, Electro Clash was the thing when I had bought my turntables and my, my vinyl collection was starting. And, and so that Creme de Menthe track was put out by, I don't know, Dr. Electro Love, some, you know, German, Belgian, electro label that I was going to the record shops and buying up here and along with all the Larry T stuff. I mean, that's what made me think of it after the RuPaul stuff. He did a lot in the electro scene and that still to this day is a huge influence of mine. It's not that I don't like house. I do love house, but I will always go back to electro because it's, it feels like that's what my roots are after freestyle. Uh, yeah, that's a great time to be you know, getting into music for the Electro Clash. And actually just, you know, Larry T, you know, hit writer, also coined the term Electro Clash. He actually created a whole new genre of music, and that's the same sort of deal. Uh, the person that influenced me is DJ Pierre, and he started that whole, well, he started Acid House Music, and he also started um, this genre called Wild Pitch, which is uh, the build-up and then break down and build up again. Like every, you know, junior song is like, you know, drums, cymbal, bass, you know, keys, build up, build up, break down, you know, that's a wild pitch. But, um, and the other person that, you know, Pierre took under his wing is Felix the Housecat. So Felix the Housecat really started more housey and then he just like went off into like electro clash land and like he, you know, put out this amazing album called The Glitz kittens and the glitz you know but before kittens and the glitz and maybe even before the felix the house cat moniker he put out 12 inches under other monikers correct yeah he his other one's afro head and uh he did a lot of stuff on gorilla records but then his big hit which was the in the dark we live and it's actually dave clark did the the big you know remix of it because the original sounds completely different than what you hear you know, what you heard at Sound Factory or thereafter. Even before Larry T and before I went to Berliniumsburg at Lux, I was living in London in 2000, going to drum and bass parties. And by chance, on a Saturday or Sunday, I went to this one club. I don't remember the name. It was not DTBM or Fabric. It was another big club at the time. And Dave Clark was DJing. And that set, was really what catapulted this electro movement in my mind for me because 
he played this song along with the laser lights that I later emailed him. This is like the beginning of email. <laughs> I telegrammed him. And um, <laughs> and I was like, what was that song? It sounded like the vocals were Depeche Modi and it had something about emerging something. And he's like, it was Fisher Spooner, Emerge. And that, that record hadn't even dropped. I came back to New York and I went to other music because I'm sure Casey and Warren had dropped the CD off at other music because you couldn't find it anywhere else. It wasn't widely distributed. In my mind, I don't know, you know, it was on CD, so it couldn't have been that hard to find. You know, it was not just on vinyl. But it was another game changer for me. Much like the Felix the House Cat record, which uh, I think you're going to play a track off of now. But yeah. that album, and this is Miss Kitten, that, that whole era, as short-lived as it may have been, because it imploded upon itself, when it took on the fashion element in addition to the music uh, was very, very critical for me. Awesome. The track I'm going to play is uh, Madam Hollywood, and uh, it features uh, Miss Kitten. And uh, put on your sunglasses. It's going to be hot and sunny.
levels that that was also felix the house cat that was kick drum off of his latest effort which came out last year and uh it's called he was king the name of the album and before that jeremy played uh madam hollywood which is off of that 2001 2002 iconic electro clash album called kitten in the glitz which he collaborated with miss kitten for who i saw perform once at a tribeca grand and it's funny it's one of those shows when a you talk to all these people now that you know, either from music or from going out, club people. And it was like, everybody was at that show. And if you could just go back in time and sort of just like scan the audience, it would have been like, oh, well, there, there's a guy that like I DJ with last week. There's somebody that I hooked up with. There's a girlfriend of mine, you know, that was over my house two weeks ago. Just one of those moments. Although, to be honest, the show wasn't so great. It was a DJ show and she DJs a lot deeper than when she does vocals and her vocal tracks on her vocal albums. She does DJ a lot deeper. I was in Ibiza, Ibiza in July and uh, she, at Space, and uh, she was DJing. She has her own. Like, she did hosted a Sunday there, and uh, she DJed, and it was really good. It was really deep, completely different than, you know, of the Electro Clash stuff she did. So, yeah, it's different. I always think about, like, sometimes like, there's a lot of DJs that, produce way differently than what they actually DJ. I'm always so surprised by that because I always think that you're going to produce what you like to play, but I guess not. Uh, what are we going to play next? I don't know. What are you in the mood for? I mean, I, I think we went through influences from the 80s to the 2000s. We did house. You know, we could we could go anywhere. You, you, you told me you brought some goth music, and before we started the radio show, we were talking about metal because Jeremy, to be honest only showed up with maybe four CDs in hand, which he said, look, I got four hours of music. 
And I said, what if I throw a metal track at you? And he said, I could sing the entire Metallica catalog except for Ride the Lightning. No, anything anything after Injustice for All. Like any album prior to that, I could sing every, well, not sing, but you know, I could scream any lyric off of those albums. Anything after that, that whole uh, Mr. Sandman stuff. I don't know any of that. That's not even music to me, Metallica. It's <laughs> awful. Did, awful. Did you see the documentary? No, I didn't see the doc. They, they, I actually met Kirk Hammond. He came into the end up one night. Uh, I was there. I was DJing and, uh, for this Thursday night party, and he came in. He was in by the bar. He was really nice. He looked a little tweaked out, though. Hey. Well, he went before he went to recovery, I guess. What did you say to him? I just said, hi, how are you? And uh, a, a friend of mine introduced me to him uh whatever that was friends with l7 and she was in this band called malibu barbie and you know whatever who jennifer finch no i uh i can't even remember her name right now car car crash yeah she wasn't no she wasn't in l7 she was friends with l7 but she was in this band called malibu barbie and you know she introduced me to kirk hammett because she actually dated dave mustaine that's how whatever that whole little family well, you need to see the docu. You need to see a documentary, some other monster or whatever it's called. Uh, you know, in addition, we we both had therapy appointments this past week. We were talking about that, but they go to group therapy as a band. And if you've been through the therapeutic process, you can appreciate what they're going through. But it also, sort of makes them look like total wusses compared to the music that they're making. You know, and I think they they lost a lot of fans because of that. I know Big Scott, our door guy, was like. That ruined it for me. And there's a scene when Dave Mustaine... Wait, Enter Sandman didn't ruin it for you. That <laughs> ruined it for you. I was... <laughs> I was. I mean, I don't know when Scott was a big fan, but um, there's a scene when Dave Mustaine comes in with his weird, strawberry, blonde, long hair and is like, you guys kicked me out like right at the beginning because I had an alcohol problem. I mean, he basically starts crying on camera and it, it really... It, for, for this whole like... Uh, you know, macho, middle American, <laughs> beer-guzzling mullet thing that they had going. It's, it's interesting. It's worth seeing. And it's nice views of San Francisco if you're a San Francisco fan or former inhabitant. Cool. Yeah, well, I, w- I want to see them cry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I saw actually the, the whole a documentary about Hole and Courtney Love's drummer, Patty Schemmel. I don't, I don't have any metal to play. Motley Crue is as far as the metal that I went through. The older stuff and the newer stuff. I mean, newer being Dr. Feelgood. But um, I could go through my whole back catalog, which I'd love to play, because there were some songs I've been listening to all week since I saw this documentary. And all four members were there. And Patty talks about going through recovery also. But it's your track now, so you tell me what you're going to play. <laughs> Work. Well, I actually, when I looked over, I saw the Amy Fisher book. But then right a few books down from it is this Nick Cave book, and I'm a huge goth fan. So, uh, you know, growing up, like, I just, I loved it all. Christian Death, Bauhaus, Susie. Um, so I'm actually going to play Third Uncle uh, Bauhaus's cover version of it. It's a Brian Eno track, and it's from uh, that great album, Taking Tiger Mountain by Strategy. And uh, here's their cover of it.
Calvin Johnson covering the Misfits classic. That was as goth as I got. You know, I had the Legacy of Brutality album. Uh, <laughs> and as they said in the 90s, I was kind of a poser because I, I wanted to, I really wanted to get into it. But um, I was listening to a lot more Riot Girl and Bratmobile and Bikini Kill and Huggy Bear and all that stuff. But uh, it was a nice crossover, a Misfits cover by Bratmobile. Calvin Johnson, of course, is the owner of K Records and sings in the Beat Happenings and in this whole Patty Schemmel documentary, they were they were talking about uh, Kurt Cobain, also a big influence, Nirvana, of course. How could it not be? Uh, sort of always playing this one beat happening song for the baby, Francis Bean Cobain, uh, and maybe acting as something, some story about it. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm sure he's still around. But that was always that was always a favorite of mine. That EP it was a five song CD EP, and MP3s did not exist. And I was glad I bought it. But as you heard, those songs were all 
one minute, 30 seconds to two minutes. So you put a five song EP CD in your CD player. 10 minutes later, it was over. As a good Jewish boy from Long Island, I thought that I was getting a little cheated, okay? I'm going to say that right now, Calvin, if you're listening. <laughs> I think that was a great choice of a track. It was, a, yeah, it was very goth and it was very uh, West Coast. Uh, I saw Glenn Danzig outside of the Virgin Megastore in Union Square from the Crosstown bus, and I sort of gagged, but I was also like, he is like a major midget on steroids. And I mean, I guess a, I guess a lot of celebrities are like that, and you know, we have a policy of not talking trash on this radio show, but I never envisioned that. I always saw these videos of Danzig and Glenn Danzig and the Misfits, and I, I always thought he was this larger-than-life figure, much like... Lemmy and James Hetfield, and I was wrong. Glenn Danzig is a midget. I, I did. <laughs> I, I've seen him in real life. Yeah, he is a midget. He's on steroids, you know, whatever. I also did, for a short period of time, sport a devil's lock in high school. <laughs> <laughs> that is so fierce. Explain what a devil lock is for everybody who doesn't know the misfits. It's when you grow your hair in the front to come over your face. And it's just it's like a, it's an opposite, it's a tail. It's like an opposite mullet. It's a mullet backwards, but like a little more streamlined in the front. And I did own a lot of Misfits records. I own the original pressing of Walk Among Us with the inner sleeve, you know, the picture in a sleeve and also the Misfits Fiend Club form where you could send it in and you could join. And uh, did you join? No, that record is priceless. You can't write on that thing. <laughs> I had my cousin gave me the or had the Devo, you know, we are not men, we are Devo, or the Freedom of Choice. And inside it had the Devo fan club and t shirt order form where you could get the hats also. I, I still want to like fill it out and send it in. I know it's, it's futile now, it's probably whatever. Obviously, if there were a website, you would just do it via that. But I always thought it was so cool to do that. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think of it. I guess I could have photocopied it, right, and then sent it in. I don't know. But I, I just, I, you know, I didn't even play the record. Like, I haven't even played the record. Why play the record? You know, I can't. Anyway, um, what are we going to go into next? I don't know. We could keep doing rock, you know. Uh, or we could play a House of Stank track. I mean, you know, most people get on air and pump their own record label, but. We could keep pumping the 80s goth rock. I wouldn't be mad at that either. Or Riot Girl. You know, we did Riot Girl parties at my Good Times party at Eastern Block. People always ask us to do it. There was a Riot Girl book that came out. They were trying to do a party to coincide with. And the, the book got held up in customs. And so the party never actually happened. Uh, but people will come up and request Bikini Kill and request Bikini Kill. And then you play it. And that person will go out and have a cigarette. And everybody else will leave the bar because nobody wants to hear Kathleen Hanna screaming while you're trying to pick up a dude and have sex with him in the bathroom. Fuck it, I do. Let's play a Bikini Kill track. Come on. Okay, we're going to do Bikini Kill. This is a song about the seedy underbelly of the carnival. The part that only the kids know about.
another quick one. One minute, 40 seconds, but uh, God, that one was on repeat for a long time. That was Jeremy's request. He wanted to hear Bikini Kill. Because it's full of angst, just like me. Then he went outside and had a cigarette for that minute and 40 seconds while I played it. I said, did you play it? <laughs> um, no, I could play I could play Riot Girl. We could do a whole Riot Girl radio show. And going back to Bratmobile, it turns out uh, not Allison, the lead girl, but uh, the drummer or the bassist was in a band in New York with my friend Massimo for a long time. I sort of gagged over that, but I, I never introduced myself or went to go see them live, unfortunately. Unfortunately. You're a makeup band? Did you ever listen to the makeup? Mm-mm. No. Okay. <laughs> no. If you could see what he just did with his face, he <laughs> rolled his eyes back and said, "Okay, whatever." <laughs> so what's coming up? What What do you What do you want to play next? Or what do you want to talk about? Let's talk about you, me. No, I want to play the Clash. I want to play this is Radio Clash. I love the Clash. You know, total punk rock. Uh, but this one is, you know, um, is actually never a single and. Uh, Actually, uh, my boyfriend had told me, he's like, do you know that song was not a single? And the song is called This Is Radio Clash. And it's really funky. It's on a lot of disco compilations, actually. So uh, I love And it's it's politically charged. Like, how great is that? It's like disco and politically charged. I love it. Let's do that one. Yeah. We're going to go into Led Zeppelin after this because we've been talking about doing that. I'm doing a Led Zeppelin party coming up on April 13th. It's an entire night of Led Zeppelin for Lena's birthday. We did the same thing last year, and I was reading today. I listened to Led Zeppelin 4 on vinyl today, front and back, and I was reading up on it on Wikipedia afterwards. And I found out that Stairway to Heaven was never a single. Never a single, but it was also the number one rock song of all time. Like, just crazy. Like, every year, year after year. And it's, it's such an amazing song. Like, it's such an amazing song. They were urged to release it as a single, uh, two or three years in a row and the, the manager was like, no, we're not. And so people started buying Led Zeppelin 4, whatever you want to call that album, Led Zeppelin 4, as if it were the single because they couldn't get a hold of that song any other way back in the day. You couldn't download MP3s and individual songs. So it boosted the record sales unbelievably, which I didn't know before today. Yeah, if they did that today, in this day and age, that would be a marketing ploy. They'd be like, <laughs> you did that on purpose. And they'd be like, yep, we did. So we're going to confer during the clash and uh, pick a special Zeppelin song for you guys.
Okay, we couldn't decide on any one Zeppelin song. I mean, we did, but uh, it, how could you? No, it's so hard. We just went through like 10 songs and we're like, <laughs> Jeremy's like, love that one, love that one, love that one, love that one. Uh, so this is off the Page and Plan album they put out, No Quarter. It's Cashmere, obviously. And it has like a entire Egyptian drumming section, live strings, and the two of them. Years later, but his voice is flawless and timeless. Yeah, it's good, and we love Egypt. You love Kashmir, the song? I love Egypt. No, I love Kashmir's song, yeah. I mean, this is, the, actually, Public Image Limited did a cover of Kashmir. Yeah, it's pretty brilliant. <laughs> uh, but he just said his number one was the ocean. I didn't nix the ocean, I just not my number one <laughs> I love the ocean Lena please play the ocean whatever I mean I can play it myself
Get on your belly dancing outfit, Jeremy. He's in the bathroom changing right now. Coming out with a veil over his face. down there <laughs> throwing some coins at him
okay? There are two more minutes, and we could listen to them, but I, I don't want to bore the non-Led Zeppelin listeners out there. Instead, we'll tell, I don't know what we're going to talk about it instead, but um, that song really put me through it with Jeremy's dancing and everything. <laughs> no, but that's so great that uh, Josh was telling me that he um, saw the, the Page and Plant tour, and uh, I think that's pretty amazing, and then he said that he saw... I don't know why I'm talking third person. You're sitting right here. <laughs> but you also saw Roger Waters, and I said, are you a Pink Floyd fan? And he said, uh, no, not really. And I started to go on about this band called Easy Star All-Stars or Easy Star Dub Stars. And they're actually this reggae band from Brooklyn who do entire albums in reggae. And um, this one, Dub Side of the Moon, uh, it's Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon. And they did uh, Radiohead, OK Computer, and they just did Sgt. Pepper's. And uh, I want to play money off of Dub Side of the Moon. I think it's it's cool. Like it's interesting. I love it. It's cute. I I I've heard the Radiohead one. Uh, the album as a whole and how you just described their different projects. It's creative. Nouvelle Vague. It's it's sort of you know I got those promos at the same time from Giant Step or whatever and and Nouvelle Vague. If you're not familiar with them something I play at weddings also. Uh, they, <laughs> you know, they, they do like Dancing With Myself, Bizarre Love Triangles, a girl or two girls, slow down lounge music. It's cute as a concept. And then 14 songs later, you get, it, you get a little over it. But, you know, I understand there's a market for it. And you hear it sometimes when you go into stores and it's, it's on the soundtrack. It's a cocktail hour type thing. It's cute. And I, I feel the same way about uh, what I've heard by these... Um, Reggae All Stars, Dub All Stars, and uh, I I did work that Page and Plant concert at Jones Beach. Jeremy was thumbing through my Amy Fisher autobiography, which we were talking about because she's from my same town, Merrick, on Long Island, which is only ten <laughs> only ten minutes away from Jones Beach concert amphitheater. So I worked there for maybe three summers, four summers, and I got to see a lot of amazing concerts I wouldn't have seen otherwise. Like Sugar Ray. No, that's what I thought. <laughs> I did see Mark McGrath of The Apprentice fame, which I've been watching this season, uh, with Sugar Ray at Jones Wait, Beach. Let's just talk about The Apprentice for one <laughs> second. I just Let's talk about Star Jones and Dionne Warwick. Did you see it this week? I, did, I saw it last week. I didn't see it this week. I just I really can't watch Dionne Warwick. Like She's just too much. Crazy. I got your number, hussy. <laughs> <laughs> and Star Jones, like, she's brutal. Like, I don't know. Like, it's like cutthroat. I really don't like it. I just think, and Gary Busey. Was Gary Busey the one in charge this week? He was in charge last week uh, when, when they won. Okay, maybe I started the week before. Wait, he brought his team to winning? The men's team won under Gary Busey. This week it was Lil John, but I don't want to give away anything else. Because it was a good episode this week. It's good. It's good. Does Raja win? <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's so mad that I predicted that, but I, I do think Raja's going to win Drag Race. And I think Star Jones, nobody has told me this, internet people, but I suspect Star Jones has a good shot at winning because that show is about being as cutthroat and douchey as you can because you're supposed to be emulating King Douchebag himself. <laughs> Donald Trump uh, but uh, 
how did we get on that topic? Because I worked at the concerts and I saw Sugar Ray uh, and Mark McGrath. I wish I saw Meatloaf, to be honest. You want to talk about guilty pleasures and influences? I played piano for 18 years. Two out of three ain't bad. Two out of three, <laughs> two out of three ain't bad. Um, you know, I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. I play that on piano. I did play that on piano. And I had Bad Out of Hell via Columbia House. And I loved it. I thought it was. Oh my God, Columbia House. <laughs> I totally owe them money somewhere. <laughs> For those who don't know what Columbia House is, Columbia House was this like uh, order, like you could order CDs from Columbia House, but you could get like 15 CDs for one penny. And then like there's this fine print where you had to buy like a certain number of CDs after that. And of course I stopped the subscription and I sent these letters and I'm like, well, I'm only like 12, like stop sending them. <laughs> That's what everybody did. That's what we did. Me and my sister were like, I could tell you my Columbia house phases in the first phase was the Huey Lewis in the news, CDs and cassettes, and then Gloria Stefan love connection. And then after the Miami sound machine CD came, my parents were like, these kids are like, 10 years old stop sending threatening letters to them you can't, you can't sue them and then like five years later it was like the beavis and butthead experience came tori amos under the pink came and i remember it was, it was you'd always get the cd of the month and i really i wanted that beavis and butthead cd because there was that nirvana track on it i hate myself and i want to die and and then i remember like writing back to the company and being like this the cardboard the cardboard box came empty i don't know where the cd went but someone must have you're a liar <laughs> someone must have stole it and then years later somebody did steal the tori amos cd for me in college under the pink <laughs> oh my god that's so fucking fantastic so this next track is <laughs> it's money and uh it's pink floyd but it's uh done by easy star all stars uh from their album dub side of the moon
make a good man bad. Yeah, yeah. Money will make enough man bad. Yeah, yeah. Money will make virgin man virgin go to war. We get about the good times. Nobody make it change your ways. You look careful, it will make you lose your mind. Yes, if you worship it, destined for your fall. Very addictive. Watch this elective. Nobody sell your soul.
to say goodbye to our wonderful guest, W. Jeremy Pelzer. Thank you for having me on the show. This reminds me of The Magic Garden. It's a show that was on when I was growing up, and they always had this outro song. It was like, see ya, see ya. Hope you had a good, good morning <laughs> to ya. Hope we get to see you again. We have our own little outro that I started on the last episode. I don't know if you've you've heard this, but you know we could talk over it. It goes something like this. I don't this. have a sugar daddy, sweetheart. Everything that I've had, I've worked for, and I worked for to get, and I've built myself. So I need you to know that 100%. I don't have a sugar daddy. I've never had a sugar daddy. If I wanted a sugar daddy, yes, I probably could go out and get one because I am what? Sickening. I am what? Sickening. Sickening. I am what? Sickening. I am what? Sickening. That was a little outro I created, and although my one devoted listener, Michael Prendergrass, commented on it on Facebook this week, I felt the need to actually cut that clip up and put it into a YouTube video because it's so essential for here and now. Shangela, oh, I'm so glad you're gone from the show. Sashay away forever. <laughs> Could you imagine? She's on next season. Oh my God. And then to get that clip, I was looking for the audio and I, I stumbled upon her site when I was looking for these pictures. And her site is so obnoxious. It has this music that automatically comes on when you click on the site. And she's like, bounding out and out and out. Well, hallelujah. And it was so annoying. And it was like, hallelujah t shirts. Um, but, you know, she's making a buck, I guess. Everybody has to hustle in this world and she's doing her best. I'm just keeping it real. <laughs> so on that note, thank you very much for Jeremy uh, coming by my studio and keeping it real, especially with that chitter-chatter about marching band, Columbia House, and uh, everything else. Look, look uh, we're going to talk more about this musical project that we are sort of embarking on uh, this past week, and hopefully there will be a performance soon that will involve our bare chests and furry beards but that remains to be seen in the meantime enjoy the podcast you could find the listing at uh the, the track listing at twerking t-w-e-r-k-i-n-g.com you can find me at good times at eastern block on wednesdays and you can find jeremy there two weeks april 13th when we do the led zeppelin good times party with lena for her birthday yeah. bye